The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, and I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear a brilliant marketer talk through the strategy, framework, and tactics used to elevate their brands to new heights. Ready to hear untold stories behind the brands you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the Rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where, as you know, we tell untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey, and we're going to hear about some of the tactics used to pull off a hugely successful marketing campaign from a household name. This is one of my favorite brands. It's definitely one of my girlfriend's favorite brands. Um, You can't go anywhere right now without seeing Carhartt. Literally, like, how does a brand go from streetwear to the working man gear? I mean, you just see this everywhere. So I'm super excited. Joining us is Nick Drabicki, who is the senior and GM of client services at January Digital, which is a digital media leadership agency that partners with clients to solve business challenges through media analytics and strategic consulting. Today, Nick and I are going to discuss... Carhartt's SnapLed brand lift. Here's my conversation with Nick Drabicki, the senior VP and GM of client services at January Digital. So let's dive into it. You worked on Carhartt. That's pretty badass. You're, you're an agency guy. Just quickly, I'd love to hear your background, how you got in the agency business, and then how this Carhartt campaign came along. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, the, the thing that makes Carhartt, just real quick about them, so great is they're also awesome people at the same time. So isn't it an awesome brand with awesome people? It's It's... It's a dream come true client for sure. A bit about myself. I'm going on my 18th year in the space, all agency side. I started out honestly in 2005, 2006 when Google was just kind of this thing that existed. No one exactly knew what it was, no one exactly knew what it would become, but we knew it was cool. And so I really spent the first kind of 10 years cutting my teeth as a practitioner. And it was interesting because I was riding the wave on the front edge when all these new things just started to proliferate. It actually took me all the way to London. I lived in I lived in an expat for the better part of three years in, in London, working on some of the biggest brands in the world, namely British Airways, Sky, Burberry, Microsoft was the largest account I'd ever worked on. It was like it was it was a ton of spend, a ton of people, a ton of markets. Where'd you work at in London? I worked at Dentu Aegis, the agency, right after acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's correct. So I was kind of at the global hub with all the the eight agencies, all in one building. Really, really learn integrated marketing, integrated campaigns at that level. Came back to the States and helped grow a small digital agency into a large digital agency called PMG based here in Dallas, Texas, where I am. And so I thought, what's better way to test my skills than to do it again? As I get older, I realize the energy, you need more and more energy each time to do it. So I've now teamed up with January Digital. I'm 18 months in, I'm looking to build in this space again. Awesome. What an insane background. I love people who have kind of both the independent and, you know, obviously holding company experience and 
the type of brands you get to work with are just in, incredible for my friends at the holding company. I've never worked at a holding company. I've always been an independent guy, but I wish I had, honestly, just to have that experience. So you're back at January Digital, and then I am so not surprised that the Carhartt people are just sweethearts. It, it just feels like that's the kind of brand that they are. So talk to us about how this project came up and, and, and what you guys did for them and, and how it worked. I think what ends up happening and why we slept so well with them as well is the more digital becomes just ubiquitous with marketing, it just becomes a thing. It's part of your tool, you know, your tool and your toolkit type thing. A single channel matters less now more than ever. And the amount a consumer consumes on average when it comes to media, like that amount is at a breakneck pace, right? And so what we do at January Digital, how we plug in with Carhartt is our job is to look at everything possible. I mean, the average number of marketing channels we offer is like eight and a half per client. It, it just, it continues to, to excel. And so for us, for Carhartt, they needed an agency. They honestly could bring it all together. They, they were a little bit disparate. They had a little bit of kind of siloed walls. As, they've been around, by the way, since 1889. Yeah. You know, that heritage, that history, the kind of the way they operate is still privately held. So it, it doesn't surprise me that there was a little bit of some walls that we needed to break down. And so really ensure that we came in and said, okay, first holiday season, you know, we've been with them for about 18 months. Let's really, really show them what we can do. And so we knocked those walls down pretty hard, man. And it, it really started with, they have two distinct pieces of growth. They're actually opposed to one another in some ways. They have the rugged tradesmen who they are known for and are famous for. So they can't alienate that group. And they have Carhartt work in progress, which is more the workwear, streetwear trend, which we're all probably honestly more familiar with. The hoodies, the beanies, you're seeing them being worn at the, the front stage of the SBs. And so we have these two massive consumer trends that we had to try to thread the needle on and appeal to both sides without alienating either as well. So it ended up becoming a real interesting like creative dance that we had to do. And so again, we had to kind of split the two without trying to alienate one group or the other, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense. I mean, that's fascinating just how skaters wear Carhartt and like the, the rugged steel tradesmen, like that's where Carhartt was born. So just totally different audiences. I can't imagine how I would go about executing that and appealing to both. I think ultimately what the brand stands for and, you know, quote unquote, their, you know, their true North can appeal to certainly complete different audiences, but maybe how you execute the creative is it in different formats. Are you like a skater? It comes up this way. And for the Midwest factory worker or something or tradesman or Harley person it comes up this way. I don't know. It's curious. That's crazy. Well, that was, that was, that was what the, the, the campaign was called make it happen for hmm. last year. And, and if you do some, even some quick Googling, you'll be able to find it. And really, and truly it was the goal was to try to, to thread that. And it, it kind of jumped from scene to scene with different types of trade workers, different types of demographics, different types of audiences to, to basically juxtapose cohort against any kind of dynamic, any kind of background, any kind of work that you're doing. I, I, I do believe that we play it safe and that we want to stick with our tried and true. There's no doubt about it. We want to make sure our core customer is taken care of uh, at all costs while still trying to appeal to the younger demographic. Yeah, everyone's trying to do that. Every brand that you probably speak to here, and again, you've been in the space for a very long time, you're always trying to get younger at all times. Mm -hmm. and so I think we're going to lead on what we know is great, but then also we're going to push the boundaries 
and expand into things like TikTok lenses, which wouldn't make sense on the surface. Why would you spend your time and effort on there? And we went to Snapchat, we went to TikTok. One of the coolest things we did was a partnership with um, 1923 and Paramount. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with the show at all or not, but that was the precursor to Yellowstone. Yeah, but, uh, it, yeah, it's I mean it's with Harrison Ford. I mean it's just and yes, Helen Mirren. Yeah, they need Helen to Mirren, exactly make right. some more. I don't know what's going on, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. And so we went there first because honestly, if you think about Carhartt, think about what it stands for, the fact that it's got that heritage. We started there. That was a more I don't want to say obvious one, but it was one that we kind of pushed our way through and forced into an integration. We pushed into integrating the brand into the show with, you know, removing the labels, none of that kind of stuff where you would, it would look too sponsory. But then we got a little bit crazy and went into, went into Snapchat. We did a bunch of at-home stuff. We, we bought a bunch of connected TV stuff. We did a bunch of TikToks. And so like, we're again, that's us trying to basically go left and right when it comes to consumer demographics. I mean, the discussion with Carhartt and TikTok, I mean, everybody I talk to, I mean, it's such a great ad performance platform and it's such a great view platform and it can still in my mind trend and i love the procter and gamble cradle to grave strategy right yeah which is kind of effed up to say but it it makes sense when you put it that way you know they want to get cradle to grave give me your thought i mean tiktok and snap i mean i'm looking at the the campaign to four million views right now on youtube it looks awesome i can see how you're bridging the gap from a horse to like a steelman that's correct riding horses Oh, wow. And then they jump into like the street graffiti art. That's freaking badass. I mean, to me personally, but I'm completely biased, but I I mean, I think Carhartt's brand of the year, just seeing the versatility at house similar to like a Yeti. But man, talk to me on the TikTok side of things. Break it down for me. I mean, I know the power of TikTok. I think the algorithms TikTok has are insane from an ad performance to a view through to getting people that are the possible demographics and ultimately views. But what do you think? And was it kind of a no-brainer or did it take some convincing? I think it's both. I think it was a no-brainer and convincing because at all costs, the, the logo of Carhartt is the most important thing. The brand that they stand for, the heritage they have, they're still family owned and family run. You, you can't sacrifice that for the sake of a media placement or an award. That is mission number one, right? And so when approaching a format like TikTok, there was obvious trepidation. But the way we went through it was we, as, as a group, the Royal, we, not, not yeah. just January Digital, but the whole, the, the whole group created. Were there other agencies involved with you guys collaborating? four or five different agencies that all do disparate kind of things. We all kind of come together and, and, and put it all together. What's that like? That's hard. I know we, we yeah, I, I don't want to get too much into that one, but it, it's fine. It, it, it's, it's a functioning group that works well together. And you know, you know how it goes, big brands, lots of different thoughts in the room. I, I do. Yes. There's something called Friends of Carhartt, which is essentially a highly curated list of influencers, hmm. creators, whatever you want to call them, that exude the brand beliefs, behaviors, and without sacrificing like the paid, are they ambassadors or influencers or mix? I, I, I would say it's a mix, yeah. but it's a curated list. We keep it smaller purpose. And so really and truly, our goal on TikTok wasn't to slap a bunch of ads out there. It was to curate as much of an organic feel as we possibly could with as many of friends at Carhartt as we could find. Play it safe, keep it safe, keep it on brand. You know, feature the product when necessary. Don't need to shove it in the face. There's no need to make it advertorial feeling. And I'll be honest with you, it, it just flat out works for the brand. In some mm-hmm. cases, I would argue that it shouldn't. We should go heavier. We should, we should solicit more. But in the case of Carhartt, 
fewer, better, higher quality worked way, way better. And again, we did buy, put some of the brand assets, brand created assets out on TikTok as well. But as you know, that platform is so specific to how the algorithm works, as you mentioned, what really works on that platform. And so the creator led, influencer led piece was a massive hit. And watch out for this, this holiday season. We're going to be doing much, much more in that space. But what you get is like, you get creators in the hills of Montana, mountains of Montana. So product plus influencer plus brand, it's, it's a nice little trifecta. I, I, I want to repeat and hone in on what you said, and I don't want to butcher it, but something around like fewer, better, what, what, what did you say exactly? I thought that was fascinating. For Carhartt and the branding, the state that they're in, it was, it was fewer, better, higher quality creators. Yes. That we put more time and more effort into, made sure it was, it was the right fit. That worked so much better than trying to go mass, basically. I have so many people like, I want to source 4,000 ambassadors. And sure. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. But I, I love what you said. <laughs> um, let's make great shit with creators, not influencers. I like you said, creators that, that matter. What else can brands learn from Carhartt and your experience with this kind of brand that, again, has such a unique attribute of appealing to so many different walks of life, political party, age, income level, like it's pretty insane. Is there a thread or is there something that you've experienced that, that other brands can use and other agencies can emulate in their own unique way? Without answering this terribly specifically, I would say <laughs> what I've learned for brands that tend to work the best here is they, they really do stay true to who they are. Yeah. And I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, a major focus on your creative, especially nowadays, is hugely important. I think digital was awesome. I Obviously, I benefited and profited from it over <laughs> the course of my career, where it, for the longest time, was a race to precision. Yeah data as, as ones and zeros as you possibly could get. And you brought it up in your lead with the changing in privacy policy. As a simple fact, that's going away. Yep. And so the pendulum has swung much more to brands who have something to say, can yep. say it well, be focused their time on that creative versus trying to precision everyone to death. And so I think, I think having both schools of thought in the room at the same time is hugely important that one versus the other. So I, I would say brands are really strict to, re, to repeat my answer that really s stick to who they are. They have good, strong product that they're able to actually brag about. I mean, that, that's gold right there. You can, you can market that all day. Maybe I just keep having people on this podcast that I agree with. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to, but I, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I just put out a um, blog post. I don't know if I put it out yet or not, but I've hinted at it, but we're seeing a rise of, of the 32nd spot again, the 32nd brand spot, highly produced brand spot. And not just because the rise of connected TV, but the days of this personalized, you know, 2000 pieces of creative optimized for performance. I think we're evolving out of those days and we're going back to inspirational brand messaging. And the, the key point that you said that I think needs to be further explored or, or even as a strong reminder that don't be something you're not, still be the brand that you are there's a great quote I keep saying over and over again, don't brand yourself, be yourself. And it sounds yeah, like nice. the brands that are getting back to that authenticity, but also using creators and, and doing aspirational, high developed, high production value creative is where we are today. And to your point to the privacy, I mean, I think you're spot on. So it's good to hear you say that is from a tactics. I think you said like what, eight or nine, you can only do eight or nine. I, I agree with you. I, I see most small businesses make the biggest mistake 
possible of just doing too much shit. They're doing way too many tactics. Yeah, spreading themselves too thin. Yeah, it's buttering the toast too thin. It's like, dude, you're doing yep. 50 tactics and you you know you have a $2 million budget or you have a half a million dollars. You need to be doing like two well, not 50 bad. Man, there's just so many places you go. So it's it, I, I think it's a good grounding exercise, if, if anything else. I mean, being yourself and, and maybe knowing who yourself, but what if you're not a, uh, a legacy brand like Carhartt? How do you cross so many different demographics as a brand? Like that's the ultimate goal. Like you see a lot of people just being like, you know what, screw it. I'm a, I'm a this, take it or leave it. I mean, sure. you saw Nike do some of that and Widen's obviously very brilliant, but other brands like Yeti who like, and, and Patagonia who cross over the way Carhartt does. It's funny that you're seeing it in the outdoor space a lot. I haven't seen it in a lot of other arenas, right? Ford is like, we're this, take it or freaking leave it. You know, you know, Subaru is like, this is us, take it or leave it, which is more of a niche kind of audience. Like, how does a brand cross so many different demographics and barriers? Let's be honest. I think there's a bit of hard work breeds luck in, in, this, <laughs> in this case. Carhartt, again, has existed for so long that they are the benefactor of having a heritage of over you know, 120 years, right? They, yeah. They've learned a ton of things, and, and, and so they've been able to infiltrate many different spaces. I think for brands who are looking to try to do the same thing, it still starts, in my opinion, with being true to who you are, like developing who, who you believe your true customer demographic is, who you believe you really are as a brand, what you actually stand for. And you said it yourself, Doing that very, very well. Doing it, doing a couple things very well. I, I had a, a mentor in the, in the UK, so that he would write down three things at the start of each year, and he would try to be famous for those three things. Now, if he got one of those three things wrong, he was in trouble. But at the end of the day, he generally had a good sense of what those three things were, and he was going to pursue those as if his life depended on it. Mm. And so, I, I do believe that brands can take a a page out of that book and say, okay, it's easy to be attracted to the shiny new object but not whilst sacrificing all of the things that you've built. And so I think I, I am a firm believer of that, that approach to picking those top three, top five, whatever many you want to say, but please look at the list of items that you, that you go for. Brands that are looking to expand, that are looking to, to, to expand different demographics, I think you've got to have a product and a creative message that allows you to do so. At the end of the day, then you're just spending money on things because you think it should be. If you don't have the creative message, you don't have the, the product to support it. I generally see brands fall flat in the space doing that. Man, that's I love you what your mentor said about the three things and you're 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 gonna die, make it or break it and die on those three things. And I do think to your point and, and kind of maybe what you're saying too is dive in deeper to the legacy of who you really are and produce great work around that. And and so here's what we're gonna do. I, I'm all over like always. So um, we're, we're gonna have you right back, of course, like everybody knows for round two. So we're gonna just wrap it up really quick there. We're gonna wrap up rebrand podcast here. Big thanks to Nick Drebecki, Senior VP and GM Client Services at January Digital for joining us. And part two of this episode will post tomorrow. And again, Nick, Nick is a man after my own heart. <laughs> we're gonna discuss the importance of out of home. I mean, look, out of home budgets, 4% typically on average of, of a media spend. When you talk to out-of-home people, they don't feel they're getting the right share on buys. I, I tend to agree with them. I love out-of-home as a media multiplier. So let's dive into all things out-of-home. If you can't wait till next episode, you want to learn more about Nick, as always, or put his LinkedIn profile in our show notes on rebrandpod.com. You can also go check their website out at januarydigital.com. Again, rebrandpod is the place to go. This is where we're going to have all the stuff. Subscribe if you're on Apple or if you're on Spotify. My main KPI is, is subscribers. That means we're building a marketing community. So if you like where you hear, this is a podcast you can pop in and out, get some insights. Mostly for us marketing people, as we know, it's, it's probably 
mainly confidence that we're going the right way and we're trusting our gut as good marketing people and giving us the data and and giving us other community members to share why we're moving our brands the right directions. Of course, I'm on social media. Find me anywhere. Just at Scott Harkey, LinkedIn and Instagram, probably the main ones, but I'm everywhere. You can find me. Thanks again for all of your support. It means a ton. And we're not going to be content with where this podcast is. We're going to keep pushing it. We're going to keep bringing good guests. We're going to keep tweaking with intros. We just want to make it better every, every day. So that's it for today. But remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. 